As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another week of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC Football Podcast. It's Monday. That means I'm your co-host, David Ubbin, along with Andy Staples, one of our uh, national writers here at The Athletic. Andy, uh, uh, well-versed in SEC football, but you can listen to his show uh, on all of college football, the Andy Staples Show, uh, elsewhere on The Athletic Podcast Network. Um, Andy? There's a new member of the 14-person SEC coaching fraternity. And he also has zero career wins against Nick Saban. <laughs> well, there's a lot of those guys uh, roaming around yes. these days. There, there are 11 <laughs> SEC head coaches with zero wins against Nick Saban, yes. to be exact. Uh, Tennessee fans tell me Hugh Freeze is not among that group. I'm, that's what I'm told. That's what I, <laughs> I have heard, yes. Uh, I, believe, I believe he has half the number of wins against Nick Saban as the... 13 non-Nick Saban SEC coaches combined. That's the kind of analytics you come to Football and Grits to get. Look at you, That's Andy. exactly right. But Hugh, yes, uh, yeah. Shane Hugh Beamer. Freeze two. <laughs> Gus Malzahn, three. There you go. Ed Orgeron, one. And uh, does Ed Orgeron lose one for every 40-point loss he takes? or Devontae you know? Smith just scored again. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's right. Shane Beamer, the new South Carolina head coach, has been trending in that direction for quite some time, uh, but made official – on Sunday, you know, I, I, I uh, for most fans, a lot of people not as familiar with Shane Beamer. It's not a splash hire, uh, not a name that's going to excite a lot of people. But people around South Carolina really like him, and I think you know, from where I'm sitting, Andy, this looks like the Dabo blueprint. I think you know, a lot of people say, especially in 2020, the the college football head coach is a lot more like the CEO of a Fortune 500 company than a football coach. You're juggling so many things. Can you hire the right guys? Can you recruit, run the program? This Again, this looks like the Dabo blueprint a little bit. Get a guy that you want to be the face of your operation that you think knows what you do and what uh, are your assets, what are your liabilities, and can account for those. What do you make of, of Shane Beamer stepping in um, as a guy that, you know, you get rid of a, a, a bigger name like a Will Muschamp, you bring in Shane Beamer. People are mildly excited, I suppose, but what do you make of this move? 
the Dabo thing is how they're going to try to sell it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I, I think that's how they should try to sell it. Shane Beamer, very well liked within the South Carolina administration by everyone he worked with at South Carolina the first time around. And this is something Matt Fortune and I were talking about on my show. He is the son of Frank Beamer, but South Carolina, of, of all the places he's worked, and he's worked at, at South Carolina and Virginia Tech, and he's worked at Georgia, and he's worked at Oklahoma. Of all the places he's worked, South Carolina is the place where he had the most success and was probably the most beloved. You got to remember, he helped put that roster together that won 11 games three years in a row mm-hmm. for Steve Spurrier. He was the recruiting coordinator for, for the best of those years. And, and people say, well, yeah, it's really easy to, to get Stephon Gilmore and Jadavian Clowney and, and Alshon Jeffrey when, when Clemson isn't Clemson yet. Well, no, it, was, it wasn't ever easy to get the best players in South Carolina to stay in South Carolina. Tennessee got Albert Hainsworth. Florida got Carlos Dunlap. Like, it, it was not easy to get those guys to stay. And they did manage to get those guys to stay. You know, you had the Lane Kiffin telling Alshon Jeffrey he's going to pump gas if he went to South Carolina. Uh, I believe Alshon Jeffrey's still in the NFL. Uh, but that's the sort of thing that South Carolina needs. They've got to figure out how to get their in-state guys to, to come to South Carolina. Now, it is significantly more difficult because now you have a national title contender in the state. And that makes it pretty pretty challenging. But you've got a guy who's got good relationships in the state, who knows where where to look, uh, who who knows you know how to recruit Georgia, Florida, uh, North Carolina, because those are all places you got to go if if you're the South Carolina coach. I mean, you better be able to recruit Jacksonville. You better be able to recruit Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is probably going to be your mm-hmm. your biggest out of state place that you're headed. Uh, but you know, you got to be able to recruit Charlotte. It's it's 90 minutes away, and there's a lot of good high school football in Charlotte. So. I think that's how you do it. And, and also, with this kind of CEO head coach, they got to know what they want to do. And I know that Shane Beamer came in and said, here is the offense I want to run. And oh, by the way, it's the one I work in now. Mm-hmm. And everyone who sells tickets to football games is in love with Oklahoma's offense. Every single person. And, and the thing is, it's easy to sell in the SEC because if you – flip it on, you see physical play. You see big athletic offensive linemen opening holes. And, and it's not flag football. It's it's real football. And it's attractive in the SEC. Now, you don't want to run Oklahoma's defense of the past few years, although they're a little bit better this year. But that's what Shane Beamer has to prove he can do is who does he bring in that can run that offense effectively and then, and then what happens? I, I, I can tell you right now, the idea of that offense in the SEC East, there's some, there's some people excited about yeah. it. I mean, you know, the, 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 the quarterback secondary market is going to get going here soon. And I, get, I would bet there's a few quarterbacks that would be interested in coming to play in that. You think Garrett Riley gets that call? I think Garrett Riley does get, get that call. Or I think uh, Steve Spurrier Jr. probably comes back. Mm-hmm. Because Steve Sawyer Jr. has experience with Lincoln Riley uh, as an analyst at Oklahoma and then has been with Mike Leach at Washington State and, and Mississippi State. So he's seen kind of the, the Lincoln Riley version. He's seen the pure uncut air raid. So he's pretty well versed in, in that offense. He's actually probably worked more on the base of it the last few years with Leach and not the, the refor- refined version. But he worked pretty closely with Lincoln Riley when he was at Oklahoma. So I would think Garrett Riley and Steve Spurrier Jr. probably would be the calls you make. Yeah, and I, and I think, too, 
you know, as we look into the crystal ball, you know, I know we're sort of in the takes business as we sit here on a podcast, but I am also someone who's sitting here watching the Texas, the Michigan, and the Nebraska programs in flames. And, you know, the so-called splash hire is really... Slam dunk hires. Yeah. Can't miss. It's really exciting in year one. It might work. It's, It's certainly your best chance to work in theory, but they don't always work. And, you know... I think if you're going to continue that Dabo analogy, there's a lot of people who thought Dabo was a bad hire. And Ed Orgeron, you can talk about what you want to talk about as 2020 team, but when he put all the coordinators and all the talent together, I'm told they won a national championship. And so the you, splash you hire... You might be right. The splash hire, I get it. I know why people go for it. But sometimes the uh, the non-splash hires, the, the, the hires well, everybody's it's laughing like, at It's work like at. people forget every single time. They, they, for, they just forget. Like... People thought Dabo was a clown until he won the ACC yep. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Even the and first like, few years, there were still, still yeah. people. And you could see what they were building. And I'm like, guys, this is a good coach. <laughs> <laughs> Can you not see that? Yeah. Like, he knows what he's doing. I know he says funny stuff, but he's a good coach. And people love and, him. And, yeah, I wrote something where I, I, I kind of half and Jess said he was, he was going to get picked off by Notre Dame. This is when... Uh, when Weiss got fired and, and Brian Kelly was about to get hired and, and people are like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Have you lost your mind? I'm like, no, it, trust me. This guy knows what he's doing. Clearly. So we'll see. I reserve judgment on Shane Beamer. I, it's not going to get that many people excited. Nobody's going to be, we're not going to get 85 hype profiles during the off season of no. Shane Beamer, you know, standing with his arms crossed in front of Williams Bryce Stadium. Uh, no, you're going to, you're going to get that anyway. <laughs> okay, because maybe. <laughs> the, 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 the machine demands to be fed. And so you will get, now Shane Beamer's not, I, and I like Shane, Shane and I get along just fine. But I think Shane would be the first to tell you he's not really the type of guy you want to do the arms crossed <laughs> like I'm a badass photo. That's just not that's just not gonna work. So we gotta we gotta find a little better pose for him. Yeah, well we'll work on that. Uh, well, Andy, quite a weekend in college football uh, across the SEC. Uh, the other big piece of news on Sunday before we get into those games, Eddie Grand out at Kentucky. You know, it's it's interesting. I thought what he did last year when they had no quarterback, basically, he puts Lynn Bowden back there. I voted Lynn Bowden third in the Heisman last year. I I get the raw numbers. You know, really poor passing the last few years. Especially how how did we know that that was maybe maybe that was their ideal offense? Have you seen? You got a kid, right? A little kid. Nope, have you seen no, no kid. We have, a, we have a baby. Oh, that's pup. right. That's right. You have not. You don't have a kid yet. So you haven't seen the Lego Movie, probably. I have seen the first one. Okay, the first one, the 80s astronaut, when he gets to build a spaceship. So could it be that Lynn Bowden being moved to option quarterback out of sheer necessity was Eddie Grand's, I get to build a spaceship! <laughs> like, this is the one thing he's really good at, and he gets to do it, and, and that's what, what happened. Because that seems to be the issue, is that they're not, they're not teaching guys to throw very well mm-hmm. that, that's you know that that's a problem you look at Ter- and, terry wilson and gatewood this year i mean it's not great yeah <laughs> like, and and the thing was everybody said well okay put in gatewood let's see what happens they put in gatewood Same and it, it's even worse yeah so yeah it's and i i blame the coaching staff if, if you've got a quarterback who can't throw that's your fault mm-hmm. either recruit one who can throw or teach them to throw 
That is completely your fault. You are being paid for that. Figure it out. And that's that's the change they're going to make because here's the thing. Kentucky, on both lines of scrimmage, has been very good for the last few years. Don't waste that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you, you've, got, you've got kind of a moment here, especially probably three offensive linemen going to be drafted next year, which, I mean, that sort of thing helps you in recruiting – Offensive linemen look at that and go, okay, this is a place I can go and get developed. And, and, and I realize John Schlarman, unfortunately, has passed away now. But I think they can probably keep that going. They just need to figure out offensively what they want to be. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of those deals where the ideal thing was probably what they started out with with, my, with Mark Stoops, and that's Neil Brown. Yeah. But Neil Brown, obviously – had success and became a head coach at Troy and is now the head coach at West Virginia. But but they need somebody who can be that. And and Neil's Neil's actually an interesting one because you can't really put Neil's offense in a box. He just sort of builds around what he has. And they need somebody to do that. They need somebody to say, okay, here here's here's the talent we have, but but also a guy who can develop a quarterback. And you know that Maybe if they'd sign Mac Jones, maybe if Mac Jones never gets offered by Alabama, we're having a very different conversation right now. But you also need to be able to teach them to throw if they can't. Mm-hmm. My hunch is we would not be having a much different conversation. There's a little bit of development that happens there. Uh, not to mention playing with Devontae Smith, who we'll talk about a little bit later, and at that <laughs> offensive line. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 that's going to be a really interesting job because I do think it's an attractive opening, and I think they've got a little bit of capital built up. You can offer a nice little contract. Oh, um, Mark Stoops isn't going anywhere. No. So, and so I, I, that's know, a that's that's a and you, your your baseline. You're not replacing a ledge. Your baseline is not great. Yeah, and this is I, this is not an offensive coordinator come in and save my job. Hire. I'm heard this there is, might be one of those a, coming to Tennessee soon. <laughs> well. It, it's one or it's one or the other at Tennessee. Yeah, but you know, this, but this isn't that. This isn't like Will Muschamp before the last year at Florida, hiring an offensive coordinator. Yeah. you know, rolling the dice and hoping. This is this is Mark Stoops is there for a while, and you could slide in there, and if you do well, you're going to be paid well. You're going to be beloved there, mm-hmm. and if you do well enough after a few years, you'll get your own shop. Mm-hmm. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Well, let's get into the ball games, Andy. Uh, now that we've got the, the headlines out of the way, best game of the week, I think we're in agreement. There was so much hype about Barry Odom's return to Arkansas, uh, or return to uh, Missouri. That was pretty much the worst case scenario. He, for the, he was there for that. Yeah, I think it's uh, that was a lot of fun and completely insane. Uh, well, quite a the, quite the, a ball game. The just PTSD for the poor Missouri fans with what essentially was a more legal version of the flea kicker. Yes, <laughs> and they got to be thinking, oh, this is it. 
this is, we are cursed. We are absolutely cursed. But I will say, that is one of the best end-of-game drives in terms of clock management and just By a freshman, basically. That I have ever seen. Yeah. That was a thing of beauty. I mean, they could, they had so many options at the end. They had, uh, you know, basically, you know, Arkansas occasionally would have to maybe call timeout for them, but they had timeouts. They they could run clock. They could get it down to zero if they needed to. I mean, it was just a perfect, perfect end of game drive. And I just, I, I'm very impressed with the job that Eli Drinkwitz has done this year. Yeah, and I think too, you look at, at I love Bazelak's release. I, I think he can really. I don't know if he's going to be a a special player. But I think he can be a really, really good player uh, for them. Uh, per, by the way, from our colleague Peter Baugh, Connor Bazelak, 300 yards uh, without a touchdown or an interception the past two games. That has not happened uh, since the turn How of the century. How do you do that? That's hard to do. That's hard That's to do. That's really hard. <laughs> but uh, a fascinating game. Big game for Larry Roundtree, uh, Tyler Beatty as well. Uh Nice. Ball also, game. I appreciate like Larry Roundtree. I just appreciate guys who sound like they were born fifty years ago. Yeah, that guy, uh, Larry Roundtree, is uh, you know a nice real estate agent somewhere in suburban Ohio. I like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a fun ball game. Uh, the uh, the they call it the Battle Line Trophy, I believe. Is I can tell you as someone who grew up in Arkansas, no one in Arkansas cares about Missouri, and I can tell you as somebody who went to Missouri, no one at Missouri cares about Arkansas. But that was a fun ball game. Well, I, let's just Missouri has a complicated history with everybody. Yeah, that's, let's just that's accurate. Throw that out there, and it's not it's not anybody's fault who's alive now. It was just when when they decided to get settled and and apply for statehood, it was. It was a very challenging time. We're going to turn this into a U.S. history podcast before too, yeah. <laughs> before too long. Uh, Andy, here's my question to you. If we just keep giving the best team performance to Alabama every week, are we going to get fired? No, because it's true. I mean, I realize it's it's not creative, and, and we could come up. We could, we could find a way to retcon Texas A&M's win into that, but... No. They could have scored 100 points if they really wanted to. They could have named their score. They basically took their foot off the gas in the second half. They destroyed LSU. And that's the thing about Alabama is this team just has the ability to take your soul. Mm-hmm. And I saw a tweet from uh, the Swamp Restaurant in, in Gainesville, which is uh, taking the year off as they uh, they build a condo complex. And then once the condo complex comes in, the Swamp, which is the, the best patio in Gainesville, uh, we'll be back. But the, the the person who runs their account goes, "Do we really want Bama?" <laughs> it's gonna be a fun. I, I, that's gonna be a fun game. I just think Florida's gonna run out of ammo at some point. I, well, I, it might I, be twenty seven twenty four at halftime, and then Bama just too much. It ends up being like forty eight. I, I like Florida against them because you know it, this was an argument we were having last night. Florida does not run the ball particularly well. They they throw it a ton. Understatement. Uh, but yes. There, there, there's a way. <laughs> There's a way to spin that one way or the other, and you can spin it and say, well, they don't run much because they throw it so well. Yes, they do. The The thing about it is Florida's got some pretty special guys. They've got they've got Kyle Pitts, but I would argue that, that Shorter and Grimes are, and, and Kadarius Toney are also pretty special. Uh, so maybe, perhaps, they can still throw on Alabama when Alabama decides to drop eight. Or they can hit some stuff underneath and force Alabama mm-hmm. to bring that, you know, bring that fourth guy up. I think Florida can score 
with them fairly well. I just don't know how Florida stops them. Yeah. I don't think it's going to – I mean, I'm excited for that game. It's going to be fun. I just think, again, it's going to be a track meet, and I just think Bama's got more runners even without Jalen Waddle. It's going to be the greatest Big 12 championship game of all time. (laughs) Well, on that note, are we going to get fired if we give best individual performance to Devontae Smith every week? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Eight catches, 231 yards, three scores, almost all that in the first half. I I, I tweeted before the game, probably about two hours before kickoff, that Devontae Smith is the best pound-for-pound player in college football. And a bunch of people who do not understand the definition of pound for pound (laughs) kept sending players at me. And I'm like, okay, this guy is 45 pounds heavier than Devontae Smith. (laughs) Like, Devontae Smith, they list him at 174. Let's be honest. He's maybe 165. Yeah. Maybe. He's on that Hollywood Brown plan. He is tiny, but he is tough. Mm -hmm. He is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I just, I remember being blown away. I was going through some stats before this season started, looking at Alabama's numbers from last year, and obviously they had Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, who were first-round receivers. Jalen Waddell was going to be a first-round receiver. And I was like, wait, wait, Devontae Smith, his numbers were better than all of them last year mm-hmm. when they were all there. I mean, that that's that's the thing that's crazy to me. And, you know, the draft people aren't obviously aren't as in love with him as they are with the other guys because he's not as fast as Henry Ruggs. And he's not as big as the other guys. But all he does is get open and catch the ball. Yep. And you look now, I mean, he's got 100. It's tough to really know what you take away from numbers. But he's got 100 more receiving yards than anybody else in college football. 15 touchdowns tied for the national lead. No other Power 5 player has more than 11, Andy. And that's Kyle Pitts, who is speaks for a freak of nature. Speaks exactly. for himself. Yeah. But it just is unbelievable. And I think, too... It's worth noting that those numbers, I don't think Kyle Pitts, I mean, Florida's not running away quite to the level that Alabama is. Smith, you know, it's sort of a a Trevor Lawrence situation where his numbers are probably not reflective of even how good he is because he's, they're not the I mean, what do you have, one catch for like 12 yards in the second half yesterday, something like that? Imagine if he was on a team that didn't have these kind of weapons. Put him on Ole Miss. Let's go. Elijah Moore. Oh, my. Smith. Put him with Elijah Moore <laughs> and Kenny Yaboa. Let's do it. And tell Matt Corral to start chucking. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, but, yeah, I, I liked – Saban wanted this one, Andy. That was not the same Nick Saban. That was that was not processed Nick Saban. That was revenge oh, Nick they, Saban. They, uh, they heard what Ed Orgeron said in the locker room last yes, year. Yes, They They did not let that go unpunished. That was rated and, R. That was a rated R locker room speech, Andy. We can't even repeat that on this podcast. <laughs> that's true. We don't have the E. But it, it, it's funny because they punished them thoroughly and then still took their foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. Like, if they really were salty, they could have probably gotten to 80 or 90 points yeah. just to make a point. You know, I, I usually get annoyed when coaches talk about winning with class, but when Saban does it in the context of yesterday, it felt like the most polite middle finger in the history of college football. <laughs> so I, I would say, you know, we want to win with class. That's what we do here. I could not stop laughing at Saban dropping that little that little nugget because I don't think he actually necessarily believes that. He just doesn't want to get shown up by Ed Orgeron. I, it, there are coaches who work in the SEC who, if Ed Orgeron had said that in the locker room at their stadium the previous year, would have tried to score 90. <laughs> Saban's not, not that guy. Yeah. He just isn't. 
I mean, it, think about what if they ever really tried to embarrass somebody? That there was it's remember been a the while. game. Remember the game when it was Houston Nuts last year at Ole Miss and Saban is yelling at his offensive coordinator to stop scoring? (laughs) That's a good – I really do want to see this Bama team just unload on somebody. You know, the the Ole Miss game this year was probably the closest thing thing we've probably seen to them having to mash the gas pedal like for 60 minutes. But, you know, as their defense is short up, they haven't been getting in those track meets very often. They, you know, they're having to to, to lighten up and – I hope, you know, I hope at some point this season, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Clemson, Notre Dame, Notre Dame would be a good candidate, actually, if they get Jalen Waddle back, see them really in a heavyweight fight where they got to go all out because that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, th- this is going to be an interesting playoff year because the thing is Alabama, this, as good as they are on offense, still not entirely perfect on defense. Mm-hmm. And, Improved, but still yeah. a long way to go. And I also, 2018 kind of jaded me because – that Alabama team during the regular season looked as good as you can look. And Clemson destroyed them mm-hmm. in the national title game. And that was a good Clemson team, but that Clemson team had not – they'd really not flexed that whole season. But you, when you look back and you see that the defensive line they had, the weapons they had, I, you, you, it makes more sense when you think about it that way. But, but yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit jaded because I, I'm hesitant to just declare Alabama the runaway favorite for the national title. Because we have zero basis for comparison. Yeah, we haven't the seen ladies. them get really tested. I mean, I, I just think you look around. Florida's a really good team. Florida's not Ohio State. They're not Clemson. I, right. I don't, I'm not even sure they're Notre Dame. So I, we haven't seen Alabama really get pushed this year. And, you know, we'll see in the playoff. I, you know, they'll, they'll prove it or they won't. I think Alabama's certainly deserving of number one. But I don't really see them as a runaway you know, contender. I think they definitely have the best offense, but I think teams might be able to slow them down enough to outscore them, you know, maybe win a game 41 So, so we, we've mentioned the Tide and the Gators. Can we mention the other SEC team that is, is still somewhat in the run, running for a playoff? We should. Right? I gave the them Aggies. the Made You Look Award this week yep. because uh, I, was, I was a little concerned. The Aggies were the better team early. They fell asleep a little bit. Auburn sort of clunked their way into an actual real-life six-point fourth-quarter lead. And then the Aggies, you know, they didn't do anything sort of spectacular. Again, we've talked about it on this show. I don't think that it, their style points really matter. They need help. No, they don't. There is they're, a very specific they need help. scenario. It is what it is. There's a specific scenario where they get in, and that's it. Yeah. And it's fine because it's also a possible scenario. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not super. It's not super unlikely. It's not super likely either. But it is definitely possible. So here's what has to happen. They need Alabama to beat Florida for the SEC championship. Obviously, A&M needs to win its last two games. They've got Ole Miss. They've got Tennessee. Ole Miss would be the one you'd worry yes. about. They need Notre Dame to beat Clemson. That's it. That is the scenario. If that all happens, they're in. I do. I would like to see how the committee sort of does the mental gymnastics to put a Ohio State team in the playoff that does not play in the Big Ten championship game if it comes to that. I think they're going to play in it. I think they I are think, too. But I, if it gets I, I to that either, point, I think Ohio State gets in over, over A&M. But I'm very yeah. interested to hear Gary Barta defend that decision. Well, they're just going to say they think they're better. Yeah. And you look at what Ohio State did to Michigan State yesterday with hardly anybody on their offensive line who normally plays playing. I think Wyatt, it was Wyatt Davis, and, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. I That – 
that was emphatic. And I, I realize Michigan State's not the greatest team in the world, but Michigan State had just beaten an undefeated Northwestern the week before, and Ohio State just humiliated them. That's Could, the thing. is, Didn't I, have their head coach, didn't have their offense. Like, just humiliated. Yeah, I don't disagree that Ohio State is, is significantly a better roster than, than A&M, but at some point, what you actually did should matter more than your recruiting rankings and your, and your, but, but, and your yeah, margin and of victory. With and A&M, it's the win against Florida, though. That's, that's, yeah. what is, that's what's buoying them yes. completely. What I'd love to see is Ohio State just go play somebody else. If the Big Ten would just let yeah. them play somebody else. Because I, I, I'm not going to begrudge the committee. I don't particularly want to see A&M in the playoff. I think Ohio State's a better team. But I, I, if I'm A&M, I'm a little salty because who is Ohio State really beaten? If they're going to talk no. about no. – you look at their schedule. Now, I mean, Indiana this is like – it's not a BYU-level schedule. It's not yeah. a good schedule. Yeah. Indiana looks better after beating Wisconsin. Yes. Like, the, the, the win against Indiana – we were like, hmm, you know, they didn't they didn't dominate that game. But then you're like, okay, they, they beat Indiana by a respectable margin, and Indiana's good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel bad for the A and M folks uh, if that if it comes to that because if it comes yeah, to if that, it, I if think it it's comes to, to the judgment call, it's going to Ohio State. But that scenario I just described, which is entirely possible, mm-hmm. will get them in. Yes, it will. Um, well, that will do it for Monday's show. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's going to be an interesting uh, next couple weeks. Vanderbilt's uh, coaching search ongoing. We'll talk a little bit about that. Fine, I'll do it. (laughs) Uh, All that stuff. So thank you guys for subscribing. Thank you guys for listening. We'll have a full uh, slate of content on this show throughout this week. You can hear Aaron Settles tomorrow, of course. Listen to the Andy Staples Show. And if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, you should change that. Theathletic.com slash grits. You can do that. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe if you haven't already to both our podcast and The Athletic. We'll see you guys again on Tuesday.